The iFit Mind Series offers mindfulness, resiliency, and mental fitness training with a twist. Instead of listening and sitting, iFit Mind provides the opportunity to listen, learn, and gently move your body walking on Nordic Track and Proform treadmills. Explore your treadmill options with iFit technology at nordictrack.com. Now is your time to thrive. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Join today at thrivemarket.com AMR to get $20 off your first order and a free gift. Thanks to Calm, the number one mental wellness app and my favorite meditation app for supporting another mother runner. Go to calm.com AMR for a limited time offer of 40% off your Calm premium subscription with hundreds of hours of programming, unlimited access to Calm's entire library, and fresh content added every week. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined in studio by Molly Williams. Hello, Molly. Hi, Sarah. So good to see you. You too. You too. You're so smiley when you walked in my back door. Because you've been gone. I know. I've been gone. You went to NYC. NYC. What is it about you? Yes. Um, it was perhaps, one, it was definitely one of the trips of my lifetime. Um, and you made epic. it a quick one. You, you left on a Friday and came back on what? Tuesday? Monday. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So let's hear it for three cheers for nonstop flights. Yeah. So it was a very lavish 16th birthday present for my twins, John and Daphne. Mm. And so we went out to New York city to Manhattan and we, the main just the, the emphasis of it was to see the play waitress, the musical waitress. Mm -hmm. And also saw my 95 year old mother and my brother and his wife were visiting my mother from our mother from, and they were visiting from Atlanta. So it was a mini family reunion. So mm -hmm. we took the train out to Stanford, Connecticut and saw them and uh, then had dinner with my siblings. And oh my goodness, it was just, it exceeded every expectation I had. And you mm -hmm. asked me, um, before, and I should say I used miles to, for the airline tickets. I got a really great deal on the hotel. It was definitely the tickets to waitress that, um, they didn't break the bank, but they came close to it. But Hey, you got them. You got online right when they opened, right? I, I just ran, I was procrastinating one Friday because the re the impetus for all this was during the pandemic during really, but when, while school was still shut down, while it really was, um, very um, locked downy here in Portland. I said to John, again, my boy twin, I said, if you could do anything, if you could take any trip when this pandemic is over, what would you want to do? And he said, I want to see Waitress on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And because my twins are very much into musical theater, as mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And so that stuck with me. So I put a Google alert on my phone and I thought, oh, maybe we'll go to Seattle to see it. If it comes to Portland, you know, maybe Eugene, Oregon, we'll do something. And one day I was like, oh, I'm just going to Google waitress, Sarah Bareilles, da, da, da. So found the waitress website mm -hmm. and it was saying that waitress would be one of the first two shows to reopen on Broadway and that Sarah Bareilles, the pop star, was coming back to the show mm -hmm. to be the star of it um, from when it opened September 2nd until like early October so that was a Friday that I saw that and I started, I looked up, I saw, yes, I had more than enough miles on United and my brain was spinning, but I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is extremely extravagant. Mm -hmm. So I pumped the brakes, 
thought about it over the weekend. And finally on Tuesday, I was like, you know what? You only live once. You only live once. And what a momentous time to go right yeah. at the restart of Broadway with mm-hmm. COVID ever, and you got to go to museums too. Yes, we did. And yeah. your mother is still with you and you yeah. gave everybody a chance to see him. Yeah. I mean, it, every penny you spent well worth it. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, my kids had, my twins hadn't seen their grandmother since the summer of 2018. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I told them before we went, I said, this may well be the last time you see grandma. So really, although you've been saying, I, <laughs> I know your my- mom could go another 15 years, <laughs> but yeah, but you never know. We never know. Right. <laughs> it's true. It is true. I go out there every time and I think, Oh, she's going to be, you know, one foot in the grave. It's like, Nope. She's gotten stronger yeah. since the last time. You look great. Yeah. So, Needs new shoes. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I love my mother and she is strong as an ox. And so, um, so anyway, so, and then, you know, with hurricane Ida, mm-hmm. people were, you know, people out here in Oregon, we didn't know what the situation was out in the East. All we'd saw yeah. things on the news and everybody was like, oh, you're still going. Oh my gosh. Like, aren't you going, uh, are you, you're wearing boots, right? You're wearing boots. Oh yeah. How was the flooding? Non-existent. So where is it? Just certain, I guess sections? it must've been in New Jersey. Yeah. And I think it was in want well, to say, was it in the Bronx really bad or Queens you could really ride bad? the subway. I mean, that wasn't an there issue. Was, it wasn't even like there were a lot of puddles around. I mean, there was nothing. There was no, there wasn't, it wasn't like there were mud swells up against the curves. No shot, no sign of it. None. Some subway lines out. Like you can't go here because it's underwater. Oh, we rode the subway a lot. Fish in the street. (laughs) (laughs) No fish in the street. (laughs) No fish in the street. Well, okay. So they're recovering. I mean, yeah. So, and I mean, I just thought before and I thought, you know what? It's a big city. Like they are the city that never sleeps. Like they get stuff done. Yeah. And and they need tourists to keep things going. So, right. Right. So that, that I will say the city was relatively speaking deserted. Okay. But I think that's because a lot, you know, it was Labor Day weekend. So a lot of New Yorkers had gone away yeah. from the city. And so, um, but yeah, no, I mean, our flight was early arriving at Newark. We got into the city, no problem. And so then we go to see waitress. We saw the matinee and I tell you, Molly, if there had, if they had said to leave after five minutes, it would have been worth every penny to get there. It was, I mean, I burst into tears as soon as the curtains opened and it turns out John started crying right then too. And there was just this sense of this is it. We're here and everyone is here. This, this is working. This is, you know, everyone in the audience had to show proof of vaccine Mm -hmm. or a negative COVID test. The entire audience was masked and just, you know, they came through it and you hear about, you know, how much the people who work every strata of Broadway had mm-hmm. suffered. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, and, and um, I had forgotten that Nick Cordero, the um, theater actor who um, his prolonged battle with COVID, which he eventually lost, oh, um, oh, right. he had starred in Broadway or sorry, yeah. in Waitress. That's and right. so I guess on opening night, they did a tribute to him, yeah. a very moving tribute to him. So he was a young man. He was a young man with the family. And I mean, every COVID death is sad. Oh yes, Um, of course. uh, So, but, oh my goodness. I mean, waitress, just every emotion. We were so, there's so much joy in it. There's so much delight. There's humor, there's sadness, there's tension. It just, all the feels, all the feels. I mean, I'm getting Mm -hmm. chills just thinking about it now. Mm -hmm. And 
Oh, we had great seats mm-hmm. and my kids had never been to New York city before. They had never seen, they've seen touring Broadway musicals, but they'd never seen something on Broadway. This is their dream. I mean, John really, that is his goal in life is to be on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, just to be able to give that gift to them. It was incredibly moving. I mean, yesterday sitting at my desk, I was listening to part of the soundtrack and I started crying all over again. Uh, Yeah, that's great. So it was just great. Yeah, and we went to the Museum of Modern Art, which I adore, and went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. We went to this fantastic temporary exhibit called Showstoppers that I'd heard about on NPR that is all these, I sent you some pictures. Um, yeah. You sent me a picture of us swimming. It's a, what was it? A Picasso, you know, of a, <laughs> of a, a, a woman with the side. And you can imagine what the Picasso woman looked like. And I was like, oh yeah, great. That's what you get from your friend. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> but I also sent you a picture from Showstoppers, which is uh, um, all these costumes from yeah. Um, stage and TV and movies, but then also interviews with a lot of these craftspeople who put all this together. And I mean, just the work involved. And the thing that blew my mind, you know, you being a sewer, that they still use sewing machines from 1893, from 1910, this 1910 Singer sewing machine, because it it allows them to do the fine work of making gloves. Yeah. That that was amazing. I was so glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and what Jack pointed out, my husband pointed out was, well, yes. And the women who use those machines probably had much smaller hands than we do. So, you know, all these Mm -hmm tiny immigrants with, you know, little hands, half the size of my, you know, massive Mm -hmm. paws and, oh, it was, oh, and it was really moving and, oh, Mm -hmm. it was, it was great. So, yeah. Art to me, like, you know, going to the museum and seeing the show and seeing all the work that came in and then the audience members, it just gives you, gives me faith in humanity that we can come together and do such fantastic things and make beauty and and, yeah. And and like shared emotions band together, try to get through this virus, you know, do what we need to do to keep each other safe and try to elevate each other because, you know, all this, this, the art, you know, has so much emotion in it. It takes you to different places. That's wonderful. I I mean, I transportive. It was, Mm -hmm. it was, I mean, I, I, literally lost myself in some paintings, just standing in front of them. And just the feeling in that theater of the audience and that you could sense that the cast was so exuberant to be up there. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, there's this one number right toward the end that Sarah Bareilles does, and she just knocked it out of the park and two or three people stood up, gave her a standing O after that. And John pops out of his seat. And honestly, was one of the first people to stand up. And I was so proud of him for doing Mm. that. And just this, you know, just again, all the feels, Yeah, all the feels, you know, kind of similar to a race in some ways, like Mm. when people like put the effort in to put this forward and what does it make a difference? Well, nothing, but everything. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that is humanity. It is. It is. It's all pulling together toward one Mm -hmm. common cause. Yes, 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 yes. Well, Molly, I could I could talk about art and New York City and my kids and everything for hours and hours, but we will move on to the main topic, which, yep. which is mindfulness and runners and the surprising thing mindfulness and meditation can do for runners and other athletes, like hikers, like yourself, Molly. Our guest is Eva Selhub, MD, a Massachusetts-based physician, author, speaker, and consultant in the fields of stress, resilience, mind-body medicine, and working with the natural environment to achieve maximum health and well-being. 
Dr. Eva also leads iFit users through a just released eight-part program called the Letting Go series that combines walking with mindfulness via the iFit app or on Nordic Track exercise equipment like the treadmill I own. Dr. Eva will join us after this brief break. Stay with us iFit is all about fitness and well-being, which iFit sees as a blend of physical, mental, social, and emotional fitness, a vision AMR totally gets behind. So we're delighted iFit launched an iFit Mind series with programming that offers mindfulness, resiliency, and mental fitness training with a twist. Instead of listening and sitting, iFit Mind provides the opportunity to listen, learn, and gently move your body, walking on Nordic track and proform treadmills. Our guest on this episode, the well-respected Dr. Eva Selhub, leads iFit users through a just-released eight-part program called the Letting Go series that combines walking with mindfulness. Add in the fact the series is filmed in the beautiful Azores, an archipelago of islands in the Atlantic Ocean, and you have a sensory treat for body, mind, and spirit. Looking to build muscles or endurance instead of mindfulness? With its studio workout classes, iFit serves up more than 60 types of workouts from yoga to Tabata with new sessions added daily or literally follow motivating trainers on par with our guest today to run, hike, or walk in breathtaking locations filmed in more than 40 countries, all on a massive touchscreen of your Nordic track or Proform home exercise equipment. Um, perhaps you saw Olympian Michael Phelps on his home studio bike doing an iFit workout during commercials recently? Yeah, Phelps digs iFit too. To see all Nordic track has to offer, from treadmills to bikes, ellipticals, and rowers, all with the iFit technology, head to nordictrack.com. That's N-O-R-D-I-C-T-R-A-C-K.com. See where you can go with Nordic Track with iFit. Schools in session, which often means packed lunches and simple grab-and-go nutrition to fuel active families. Thrive Market has so many family-friendly and healthy options. I'll tell you my teen's favorites in a few, but first a bit about Thrive Market. Thrive Market is healthy without the hassle. Thrive Market has an amazing selection of high-quality, healthy, and sustainable products online. Organic and essential groceries, clean beauty, ethical meat and seafood, safe supplements, and more. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market that delivers your orders to your door with carbon-neutral shipping from their zero-waste warehouses in 100% recyclable packaging, which makes me feel good about my deliveries. And on orders of $49 or more, shipping is free. Thrive Market has membership options of monthly or annually to suit your lifestyle. A one-month membership is $9.95 a month. A 12-month membership for $5 a month billed at $59.95. And when you get a paid membership, Thrive Market provides a free one for a low-income family, which I really like. Right now, two things my teen twins are loving. Noka's superfood smoothies, which don't require refrigeration. Strawberry pineapple is a favorite flavor in our house. And Pamela's oat blueberry lemon whenever bars. They eat them for breakfast or before after-school dance or soccer. Just a few of the many healthy, kid-pleasing options with members-only prices from Thrive Market. Join today at thrivemarket.com AMR to get $20 off your first order and an exclusive free gift. The only way to get this offer is by going to thrivemarket.com AMR to get the exclusive offer of $20 off your first order and a free gift. You can't get this offer anywhere else, folks. It's Kismet. We're talking about mindfulness and mental wellness, and my favorite meditation app, Calm, is one of the sponsors of this episode. We're longtime partners with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. Follow my lead by clearing your head and gaining insight with guided daily meditations. Improve your focus during the workday with Calm's curated music tracks, and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. 
By going to calm.com slash AMR, you'll get a limited time offer 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming with new content added every week. I ground myself by starting my day on a calm note. I listen to the 10-minute daily trip meditation, a series led by Jeff Warren. Like our guest today, Jeff is insightful and empathetic, and it turns out he's a father. Sometimes Jeff talks a fair bit, other time he only gives a few prompts. His themes and messages are always relatable and often hit home. Some of my favorite recent daily trips are The End of Striving, Waiting Without Wanting, and Cosmic Love Judo. Yeah, he sometimes sneaks in a bit of merriment. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash AMR. Go to calm.com slash AMR for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash AMR. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Eva. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. Good. We are too. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about your athletic background. I, I understand you do CrossFit and hiking. I do. Uh, it, uh, funnily enough, as uh, growing up, I wasn't much of an athlete because I was in a pretty bad car accident mm. and uh, had a lot of back pain in and out of physical therapy, always tried to do things. I was a swimmer at one point. Um, and for so about 35 years, I, and this is one of the reasons I'm giving you this backstory because of the mindfulness aspect of it mm-hmm. yeah. and, um, got into meditation and mindfulness and nutrition and psychology, psychological aspects of health, health, being healthy, uh, over 20, 25 years ago. But the physical piece was lacking for me because I was in and out of physical therapy every time I tried to be physically active. Mm-hmm. And, um, I finally joined CrossFit. I was scared out of my mind. I don't mm-hmm. like to be bad at anything. And it was really scary, but the, the coach just had me do my own body weight for about a year. And mm-hmm. then I slowly started becoming fitter and fitter and stronger and stronger. And also through my spiritual meditation practice, my core fitness was getting stronger. And lo and behold, about four years ago, I stopped having pain. And yeah, so, but of course I have to be really mindful. One of the things like any sport people, you know, think that CrossFit is dangerous. It's no more dangerous than any other sport when people aren't paying attention Mm -hmm. don't have good form and end up getting injured. So because of my previous injury, I became extremely mindful. Um, Actually the CrossFit headquarters brought me in to check out their training program. So I got my level one certification while I was at it. And really learned how to do things properly. And um, so with my background in mindfulness, I was able to really take my athleticism to the level of really being fit, being able to do things I couldn't do in my 20s, which allows me to, you know, hike. And I just got back from uh, Taos where we did a Mm -hmm. 11,000 foot uh, hike. Um, It was great. And I felt so fit. I was with other people who are younger than me who couldn't keep up. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. You go, you go. Yes. You know, 54 years old. I'm, you know, was kicking hey, their my age. Yeah. When I actually am uh, telling my correct age, normally I think I'm a year younger than I am, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so mindfulness helped you with, with your, your training, like how, so like, like, were you just like getting into like what your body's feeling? So you don't ever do it. Or does that mindfulness like help you with the pain? Like how did those two, we're probably jumping way ahead of of the script here, but. Well, yes, yes, yes. And yes. Right. So I mean, let's backtrack and just talk about what mindfulness is. So 
Um, so mindfulness is about being fully present without judgment in the present moment. So that's sort of taking it to its very, very basic. So most of us, our, our thoughts are, are on a continuum. We're either thinking about yesterday or thinking about tomorrow or thinking about, I don't wanna do this or, or with me, like this is hurting, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm bored or I'm terrible. Everybody's so much better than me uh, or whatever it is that goes through our mind with either when you're exercising or just doing anything in life. And that creates a lot of stress and a lot of tension in the body, but it also means you're not paying attention attention to the body, which is really this brilliant vessel that is communicating with your brain constantly, letting you know when you're in need of something, when your a position is good or, 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 or beneficial, or when things are moving smoothly and when they're not. But because we're so busy doing and looking outside of ourselves, we don't actually pay attention to what the body's trying to tell us. So mm-hmm. the, the, the process of being mindful, which is non-judgmental awareness, of the present moment. So that's like, you know, uh, if you're outside and you're looking at the blueness of the sky and then you hear the, a bird singing its song and then you notice your feet and how they feel on the ground. And you're just in this moment to moment awareness without judgment, just simply observing and witnessing, if you will. So that's a, a meditation practice that is a, a, an incredibly wonderful experience for anyone to do at any any time, but you bring it into movement. And now you've got the ability to pay attention to this brilliant body that's letting you know uh, if and when you're in pain because you've just pushing yourself hard or you're in pain because that's actually a, a, a movement that's gonna be hurting you later. Mm. So, or you're noticing uh, your breath, or you're noticing how your feet are hitting the ground and it's creating a rhythm and a meditation as opposed to thinking about, you know, oh, when is this going to end and when I'm going to get to that mile, right? <laughs> so it's rather than focusing on, on a goal, on like the end game, you're in the present moment. So that allows you actually to go faster, to go longer, to uh, enjoy it more, and also be more present so that you don't get injured. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, let's, let's roll back a little bit so that people understand why you are the perfect person for <laughs> that iFit mindfulness pre- presentation and a podcast guest for this topic. You know, your CV is robust and impressive. So boil it down for us, emphasizing the parts again, that make you, you know, the, the why iFit chose you basically. Well, first and foremost, uh, I am a, a medical doctor, uh, which mm-hmm. means I do have the training in the anatomy and physiology of the body, which most doctors actually don't have, but um, but I do understand um, the, the physical aspects of the mind and body as well as the mental aspects of the mind and body because I worked at Harvard at the Mind Body Medical Institute for over 20 years, where I mm. taught other practitioners about the mind body um, approach to patient care, which essentially means um, not only just looking at how we treat a patient or a person with medication or procedures, which is really how Western medicine looks at everything as as pieces that Mm -hmm. need to be solved. Um, We also look at the mind-body aspect, which is looking at the total person, the whole being. Uh, You look at nutrition and exercise, meditation, uh, the psychological aspect of health, social support, and so on and so forth. That's sort of of the three-legged stool of health, which is um, like I said, the mind body piece and the procedures, and then there's medication. So those are sort of the things, how we bring those together. So I started doing that at, 
1997 in, uh, in the mind-body field, as well as practicing medicine, and then mm -hmm. left my medical practice in 2002 to pursue learning other healing modalities, working with healers, working with um, acupuncturists, working with uh, learning Qigong. And then in 2003, I started merging, merging Eastern and Western practices into my own practice and, and functioning as a consultant. So I've been doing this for a really, really long time. And aside from that, with working with patients, I've also had my own personal experience, as I've mentioned. Um, that was only one thing that happened, but my own personal experience is that uh, led me to want to know more about the, the human body as well as the mental, um, our mental um, mindset and mm -hmm. emotions, depressions, having my own history of depression or anxiety and wanting to learn how to heal that and how to find ways to um, be a happier and healthier person. So everything I learned for myself, I would then turn it around and um, use it with my patients or my clients. And over the years, I shifted out of my medical practice into a coaching practice and consulting. I've written five books. The recent mm -hmm. one's called Resilience for Dummies. It just came out this year. And, mm -hmm. um, and go around lecturing about this and teaching other healthcare practitioners how to do this sort of thing. Nice, nice. So you're really ahead of the curve on this one. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think you really are. I, I love it. That's great. Do you think uh, medical schools are going to start to integrate more mindfulness with their, their teachings? I believe they are. I believe they yeah. are, you know, look, what probably because of people like you. Yep. Yeah. yeah we, well, mm -hmm. even before me, there are people like Deepak Chopra and Herb Benson and, and Andy Weil, who really tore down those walls um, to allow people like me in. And then the next, now the next generation, you know, we've been starting, we started teaching these things and, and the um, continuing education courses. And now there's more and more of it um, that is um, being taught. And like mm -hmm. I said, we didn't learn much about nutrition and physical fitness. I think most doctors mm -hmm. still don't know much about mm -hmm. it, um, but huh. they are learning more about mindfulness meditation because they're stressed too. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. I bet they are. Well, so let's get down to the nitty gritty. What constitutes, I mean, this is too simple, right? What constitutes mindfulness practice? And do I have to do it every day? How long should I do it? <laughs> What's <laughs> Here's a book. Here's a book. <laughs> well, so the first thing I want to do. So if you, if you guys don't remember anything of what I say today, I hope you remember this. Never should on yourself. Mm. And I, that's actually, I probably it's in one of the videos, either the nutritional psychiatry video or, or, or this current one that's coming out, but, but there's nothing you have to do and nothing mm -hmm. that you should do. These are things, these are options. These are things that are available to you to do. And if, and when you do that, you will find that you feel a lot better and you feel less stressed and you feel more present and actually more joyous and happy. So that's really just up to you, but there's mm -hmm. nothing you have to do and there's nothing you should do. Now, having said that, according to the research, if you want to get a meditation in, um, uh, and do it a mindfulness meditation, then we're looking at maybe 10 to 20 minutes a day. And then that actually has a carryover, carryover effect of helping the physiology of the body, uh, lowering blood pressure, getting people off their medications, improving sleep and other physical and mental health symptoms. That's mm -hmm. sort of what the research says. But mm -hmm. I find that if we just do it every day, even for a minute, every hour, you'll have the, the benefits. That's what I call, you know, bringing meditation into life rather than getting out of life to meditate. Most of my clients are really successful, busy people. And they, I, when you say to them, you need to spend 10 to 20 minutes meditating, they say, when am I going to find that time? 
Um, and the truth of the matter is if you put that sort of pressure on people, the shoulds, then they just aren't going to do it. Mm -hmm. But if you say, listen, just, you know, set your clock or your watch every hour to do a minute or 10 breaths of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And then you'll find, oh, I really enjoy that. I'm going to do it more often. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to do it more often. And then you might do it for five minutes. And then you might do it for 10 minutes on and so forth. But mindfulness which like I said, is the moment to moment awareness of, of being in the present moment non-judgmentally can be done anywhere, doing anything. And it, it, you don't have to sit and say, ohm or anything of that nature. You literally can do it anywhere. You can eat mindfully. You can take a shower mindfully. You can walk mindfully, which is what the series is about. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's just, like I said, being present. So for instance, if you were to decide, I'm going to do, take a shower mindfully. Mm -hmm. So you would just notice, you know, how does this water feel uh, going against my skin? What is the smell of this? Of the, what is the fragrance of the shampoo? Or how do the soap suds feel against my skin? So it's essentially bathing your senses in the experience of that moment. What do you feel? What do you see? What do you sm smell? What do you taste? And what have you. There's a, a wonderful uh, research that's been done in Japan on a process called Shinrin Yoku forest bathing, which mm. they've studied people basically walking for 20 minutes through the forest mindfully, which without, you're not, you don't, there's no end game. You're not in a rush. You're just literally, it's a translates to bathing your senses in the experience of walking in the forest, what you feel, what you see, smell, taste, the whole experience of just being there. What does the earth feel beneath my feet? Oh, look at these colors and just bathing your senses. And that has been found not only to release stress, but to improve mental clarity and improve the immune system even six months later. Wow. So that's just part of that is just being in nature. And the other part of that is the mindfulness experience. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So again, it's, it's not that difficult. What you might find is that your mind wants to go to your to-do list or, or mm -hmm. whatever other things that you want to think about. And that's a mo the most challenging part. And what I tell people to do is just say thinking, 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 and bring yourself back into the focus of mm. being in the experience. You've touched on some things, but in, in broad strokes, paint a picture for us what mindfulness can do for runners specifically. Right. So let's, you know, let's take the experience of running. Um, and for me, as much as I would love to run long distances because of my past injuries, and now I actually have, um, when I was hiking, I actually took a little spill and hurt my Ooh. knee. Um, it's, it's fine. It's just that I can't, I don't want to run for long distances because then I start feeling, then my knee starts tweaking. And, um, but because of that, I'm being more mindful with my cadence, with my mm -hmm. breath, being aware of how my foot is falling on the ground. Right. So there's, there's a, a in, like I said, in every form of fitness, there's a form, there's form that is the best for um, our body, for the aerodynamics, but also for the joints, like our joints, we basically have three hinges, our, our ankles, our hips and our neck. And when those hinges are aligned and, and being used correctly, the knees will follow and, and the body can avoid injury. And also when we're, you know, paying attention to our breath and being um, in a cadence where you have a more of a sort of a meditation sort of, 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 of way of, of running, we can actually run longer and mm. uh, with, um, with less fatigue mm. and, uh, and then also enjoy it more. So in, in running, 
and again, especially people that run long distances, it's a, a lot of impact and you can be highly prone to injury. So the more you're paying attention, the more you're being mindful, the more you're being present and enjoying the experience, the, the higher the likelihood is, is that you'll have a better experience, you'll have better form, mm -hmm. and you'll also be able to run longer and faster. Mm, we like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do a daily meditation. I've been doing it for uh, over a year, maybe two years off and on, but pretty consistently for a year. I still think I'm really bad at it, but part of my, <laughs> part of my, my, my mindfulness meditation is to not feel bad about it. Just, it is what it is. And I'll do guided ones. And then I'll also just do them on my own and just, you know, try to sit with those thoughts or let those thoughts be there, but watch them and not always participate. Anyway, doesn't well, matter. Can I, so I have a, a question for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what constitutes being bad at it? Yeah, exactly. That's a good question because I've got I just, I'm just thinking like, like uh, the to-do list comes up and I'm like, oh, I'm not relaxing. Am I really thinking about my breathing? And then I just have to let it go and it'll keep popping up. But I just don't feel like I've ever gotten to that point where, you know, I've had like the five solid minutes of, of bliss. Like I get, you know, the 20 seconds of bliss here and there, and I kind of go in and out of it. But even with what I do, which I don't feel bad about, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I do you know, I try not to get into that cycle of them bad or bad, but I do find even with that, I pause a little bit now before I make a comment. Maybe I shouldn't, I reflect on things. I find it helps me center my day. I'm calmer at work. I can also just see this as this is, this is just work. This is just here. This is just now, this is not me. This is this job I do. Now I'm going to move on to the next thing, you know? Yeah. So it sounds to me that there, you don't have a bad meditation at all. So well, thank again, you, Doc. yeah. So, well, so again, <laughs> the reason I asked that question is because again, uh, I'm going to add the list of the vocabulary that I, I will recommend that you remove from your vocabulary is good and bad. Mm. Um, th that's, those are judgments, right? And so part of being mindful is not, is not having judgment. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing is, nothing's good, nor is it bad. Everything simply is. It's not judgmental awareness of what is. So I'm thinking, okay. So it's absolutely a thousand percent normal. Even experienced meditators' minds run off into something else. And you just, that's why I say you just go thinking, 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 and bring yourself back into the present moment. And it sounds to me that you've been doing that. And it's been bringing much more um, peace and reflection and uh, resonance in your life. So from, what I'm hearing is you're doing a fantastic job. And, and I think it's, and you'll find that the more you do it, it gets a little bit easier. And it's really just about whether or not there is ease, but it's not about being good or bad. Mm -hmm. Just noticing whether I feel more ease or whether I don't feel ease, whether my mind is running today or it's not as running as much today. You know, every day is different. Um, but the more we stop judging as something being good or bad or feeling, again, this is a, about letting go of, a, of an outcome of how something mm -hmm. is supposed to be or something should be. If we let that go and just allow something to just be, it like it is, mm -hmm. then, um, then we let ourselves be. Mm -hmm. And that's what mindfulness is. Yeah. Yeah. And you think that that's very common to be. Oh, judging. yeah. It's extremely common. It's very uncommon not to be judgmental. <laughs> I mean, that's just how we were raised. We're raised, you know, 
this is good, this is bad. I like this, I don't like this, and therefore it's good or bad, and I am good and I am bad. Yeah. Um, and that's really the at the the the, the crux of, of most mental health issues and a lot of injuries because people push themselves to be perfectionist as opposed to just being okay where they are. And then we don't pay attention to the present moment and we end up, you know, looking ahead or looking behind, and then we miss out on what's happening right now. Yeah. So I think your thought about the outcome is also interesting that not to be focused on the outcome, just to be where you are. So for instance, I'm getting ready for, for a long hike. I have knee issues. I'm not really sure I can do it. And I've decided that I'm just got to take it literally one step at a time. And if I feel like I'm getting into more than I can, can physically do to, you know, modify what I'm doing or back off or go home or that kind of thing. And that's very upsetting to think that I might not be able to do it, but I have to be mindful. I have to just take it one moment at a time. I also don't know how my partners are going to do with this. What if they have issues? What right. if it rains? What if the smoke comes in Right. and to not focus on that outcome? Like, Oh, we are going to power through no matter what, because what's that? What's that? Right. What's the point? So the other piece of this that I, that I haven't mentioned is I like to add this part to mindfulness is non-judgmental awareness of the moment, moment to moment awareness with appreciation with appreciation, with Very appreciation, good. right? So it's, I'm appreciating, like I'm appreciating my incredible body that is able to do this climb, you know, even with these knees and how lucky am I? And I'm going to go as far as I go. And mm -hmm. every moment I'm going to cherish and appreciate it. And this way we absorb the richness of life in the moment. And not to feel I need to go home and lick my wounds. Well, there's not, there's not the, you're, you're, if you're in a state of reward all the time, then there's no, there's no punishment. Right. Very good. I love it. Will you go on the hike with me? Absolutely. <laughs> where, okay. where are you? Uh, we're going to go Mount round Mount Rainier. We're leaving on uh, Saturday. Well, a week from Saturday, 93 miles, one gazillion feet of climbing. So wow. <laughs> I got an extra spot for you. Yeah, there we go. I'm actually doing something absolutely um, uh, spontaneous. I have a, a very, uh, a dear friend who is moving from uh, Connecticut to Taos. And mm -hmm. I offered to drive cross country with her tomorrow. Oh, taking lovely. her U-Haul and driving to Taos, and then we'll do some climbing when we get there. Oh, that's Aww. awesome. Taos is such a gorgeous that's place. So beautiful. Oh, just getting back from it. I um my first husband and I drove across country from Connecticut to San Francisco in 1988 to um, after I graduated college to move to San Francisco. And we just kind of randomly stopped in Taos and ended up spending, I don't know, two nights there or something. And it was I just love it. It's just magical. It's truly yeah, magical. I love it. I was just yeah. there a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, wanted yeah, to go yeah. back. Yeah, you're like sure. Yeah, an eleven thousand feet uh, foot mountain. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wonderful for you. Uh, how's the smoke there? Um, it when I was there a few weeks ago. Um, it it uh, the first couple of days we couldn't even go out, but then the the winds turned and we were able to climb. Um, okay. so I don't know how it is right now, but it, you know, it depends on the winds. Yeah. 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 So hopefully they'll, hopefully they'll, uh, they'll turn around and allow us to do some good hiking, but if not, we'll still enjoy it. So of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you think that the repetitive nature of running or hiking or cycling, swimming lends itself to practicing mindfulness? Because I'm, I find myself really drawn to repetitive motion sports. I used to be a rower and obviously now a runner and a swimmer. 
And I just feel that they're, they lend themselves well to it. Well, they, they lend themselves well, certainly to um, me- meditation because it's sort of, you know, swimming or what, yeah, especially because you're listening to your breath, but it's a, that repetitive motion. So what is meditation? It's the, um, the uh, ability to focus, to have a central focus that is on, on a continuum, right? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of non-judgmental awareness of a repetitive focus. And that's what you're doing with a, a continuous movement. The other thing about um, mindfulness that comes into play, especially when you're doing sports outdoors, is that you have to be mindful of your feet, mm-hmm. of, you know, of the elements. So there's, it's uh, the, the treadmill or an erg is one thing. And you still mm-hmm. probably that's more, I would become more meditative because you don't have to be as, aware of your surroundings, like where you're putting your feet, if you will. But when you're sort of trail running or mm-hmm. hiking, or you're on the water rowing, um, you have to pay attention to the elements. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is important to be mindful, to be really, really present. I mean, and you want to think about like a, a Zen master or, you know, the crouching tiger, hidden dragon, you know, those folks <laughs> that are, they're t- completely centered and they're able to just move with the flow of, of the environment. So you want to be like water, which, you know, doesn't resist change or when it comes up to you, just learn how to move around it and move and go with it. So yes, yeah. especially when, you know, there's, you know, several aspects to um, what I call the, the mono mono fitness, which is, you're, you know, doing one type of activity um, that, that in itself is, can be a meditative um, practice. And then especially when you're outdoors really need to be mindful of your environment. Hmm. Hmm, that's lovely. So, so we all know that a race or a tough training session, you know, that we encounter discomfort, some might even call it pain. So how can mindfulness or meditation help us meet that discomfort and perhaps not get hampered by it? You know, because I, I know that when I have a big race and I have a big goal, I, I fret so much about like, oh, but it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And I try to reframe it as discomfort and tell myself that, oh, okay, that's good. That shows I'm working hard enough. But then moving toward that discomfort instead of backing away from it? Well, there's a couple of ways of, of looking at. First of all, I think mindfulness is really, really important to be able to distinguish between the hurt of being pushing yourself and the hurt of actual injury. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's really important um, to be attuned to that. I mean, I know some people uh, don't care and they just want to win. And then they're like, I don't care if I never run again. But again, for, for me, mindfulness came in I remember the first time I, I, I mean, one time I, um, and there was a, for me a lot of psycho, psych, psychological uh, trauma around the mm. pain because I would always have to get pulled out. You know, my back would get this tweak and I, do I push through it or do I stop? And for most of the time it would stop me. I would have no choice. And mm. I remember the very first time I was doing a heavy lift and I felt this little tweak and I thought, oh no you know, here it is. And I just, mm-hmm. I just was mindful to it. I, I, I talked to my body, you know, mm-hmm. and I said, is this, is this an injury or is this me just, you know, feeling tired? And mm-hmm. my, you know, my body said, this is just you feeling tired. Mm-hmm. You can do this. And I said, all right. And I just went <laughs> right in and I just, you know, lifted and I felt, and I was a huge victory for me. So, because I didn't give into that. So I think part of this again is letting go of this negative, the negative attitude. Mm-hmm. So the mindfulness is being present 
with appreciation of my body, letting me know where I am in a given moment. And I can do this either way. Either I'm going to stop because I'm taking care of myself or I'm going to just, you know, heed this and say, yep, I'm, I'm hitting that place where I get to push through it. I get to push through it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in CrossFit, our workouts are so hard. We think we're going to die half the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and, and that's where we, and that's part of resilience is developing mental toughness mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to say, yeah, it's going to hurt. All right, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And because it's going to hurt, we're, we want to do it. Mm-hmm. As yeah. opposed to, oh, it's going to hurt. I want to do that. Rah, rah, rah. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is not, it's, that's not actually enlivening your awareness and your senses to be present. It's just putting you in a negative mindset as opposed to, yeah, it's going to hurt. Let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I think that's, I don't race all that often. I, the last time I raced was right before lockdown and uh, I had forgotten that. And I remember that feeling after the race of like, oh yeah, I forgot how exciting and mm-hmm. enlivening to borrow one of your words, Dr. Eva, that of, of meeting that challenge mm-hmm. That's right. and, it, and, you know, accepting it and kind of working with it. And, exactly. you know, I was hopped up after that race, just like, wow, look at me, look what yeah. I did. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that. And that's, that really taught me how to be, I'm like that with everything in my life now. Uh. That that's for me, like being able to finally experience that mental toughness through um, athleticism. I said, Mm. wow, this is a really great attitude to have in every situation in life. Like, you know, I'll say, well, that's going to suck. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. Um, You know, well, so what, you know, big deal. I'll figure it out. I have the resources to handle this. Yeah, so I've yeah. trained hard and long and I can do this. I'm, and again, it's, it's not, I'm not going to push my body if it's injured. I am going to pay attention and stop or slow down if I need to, should I need to. And if I don't, I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. So mindfulness of the discomfort, but not pulling away from the discomfort, knowing that that's part of the process. It's, it's being aware of what that, what that, what that pain is, right? Yeah. That's, what the that's pain really is. important to learn to distinguish. Is this, you know, is this an injury? And this is, you know, over time in practice, we start learning sure. to start paying attention to our body and what it's trying to tell us. A lot of times you start feeling a little bit of pain because you need to tweak your position, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you stopped, you got tired and you're not paying attention to your form. Yeah. Right, right. And so, you know, these are all things that we can do in practice and making sure that we learn form, that we're doing things correctly. So when it comes to that race, we don't mm-hmm. have to actually think about it. We can do it, you know, uh, it's like practice makes perfect, but it allows us to then be mindful because then, you know, you don't know when something is, is, is positive until you've also had a negative, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know that something, when something feels great, we don't know that like most people don't know that they haven't been feeling well until they start feeling really good. True enough. Yeah. So, you know, this is where we want to have experiences. We want to be mindful. We want to notice how we feel and whether we enjoy that feeling or don't enjoy the feeling. It's like neither good nor bad. It's just something that we enjoy and want to continue having. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that when you're running, you can figure out, okay, what can I be doing differently? Oh, when I do this, this happens. And the other piece is just, again, when you enjoying the process, enjoy my feet connecting with the earth, enjoying my breath as it moves in and out, enjoying the experience of, 
of you know my arms as they move back and forth you know like the wind mm. um and being that sort of those are the mindfulness um techniques that can be brought into the experience that can make it that much more joyful and um that much less painful so you don't listen to a lot of podcasts when you run do you <laughs> uh, i usually actually listen to music Oh, yeah. And you can still do the mindfulness with yeah, the music? Yeah, because well, I listen to music that um, sort of creates this high, this vibrational experience. Oh, that, oh like uh, uh, kind of mood music kind of stuff? That pumps me up. Well, it depends. I'm usually do when I'm doing short sprints versus long, uh -huh. longer things. Um, so I, I, sometimes I listen to meditation music, which, you know, I'm basically, well, in this series, I do a lot of Qigong movements. And um, so I might do like a Qigong movements in my mind as I'm, or a Qigong breath as I'm, as I'm running. Mm -hmm. And that actually helps me um, go, go faster and go longer. So I might use a um, music to help me um, facilitate that breath. But not, not Katy Perry too much. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, no, that's, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah but usually, usually uh, there's usually some type I use, I like having, um, uh, beats, mm. um, I'm more connected with the vibration of something. Mm -hmm. Um, so that vibration will help me move. Um, but other times I want to run and I want to, it depends if I'm in the running in, near like a city area, I'd like to have my earphones in because I don't want to hear all the cars. But if mm -hmm. I'm running in a nature trail, I want to listen to nature. Mm -hmm. So I don't usually listen to anything. I just listen to nature mm -hmm. and my mm -hmm. breath. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, this is switching topics slightly for me, the number one benefit of mindfulness meditation is increased calm and being slower to lose my temper, yes. like in, in slow traffic or my kids bickering. Um, you know, it just doesn't make my blood pressure shoot through the roof or feel like it is. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how mindfulness can create new neural pathways and produce different emotional outcomes because of it? So this isn't, you alluded to it earlier when Molly was um, talking about her, how her mindfulness practice or meditation carries her through the rest of the day. But I, I just find it so intriguing that you have immediate benefits, but then you have long-term oh, lasting long -term, benefits. Yep, absolutely. So one of the things to keep in mind is, is that, mindfulness again is non-judgmental moment-to-moment awareness and like I said with appreciation I add that in mm -hmm. what happens is you're looking at life and everything around you your thoughts whatever is happening objectively that's a really key word you're witnessing objectively and mm -hmm. I'm saying that sort of slowly, objectively, is because <laughs> when we get upset about something or even super, super happy, it's because we're taking something personally. It's not, mm -hmm. we're not being objective. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so when we're triggered, the stress response is activated. We go into lizard brain versus higher brain centers. We go into behavior patterns that are connected to that stress response that will enable us to feel better, whatever maladaptive behaviors we've developed over the course of our lifetime. And those are the patterns that will continue. And then, of course, when we feel hurt or upset or when somebody's not paying attention to us or we feel disrespected or whatever that is that causes a, a strain on our sense of value, we react and we react negatively, which then creates more of a stress response. And you can actually 
I'm going to do, I can do an exercise with you right now, a mindfulness Mm. exercise of just being aware of how that feels. So if you were just to close your eyes and just for a second or two, pay attention to your chest, just notice the sensations you might be experiencing in your chest. There's not a right or wrong. You're just observing. So we can do some contrast, whether your chest feels open or closed, relaxed or tight, heavy or light, and be aware of the breath as it moves in and out, whether it feels smooth or tight or short or long. Again, there's no right or wrong. You're not trying to do anything. You're just observing because I'm going to have you think about something that causes you stress. So something you're worried about, maybe you're worrying about your hike or you're worrying about your race or you're worrying about a child or a spouse or a parent or COVID, whatever it may be. And allow your your thoughts to go to something that you're stressed about, angry, fearful, anxious, whatever it may be. And notice what happens to the chest and what happens to your breath. And then, and then I'm just gonna have you think about, instead I want you to shift your mind. I want you to think about a situation of awe right now. It's maybe you've done a beautiful hike and you're standing at the top of the mountain looking at this bird's eye view of everything below, or you're looking at the most beautiful sunset or sunrise you've ever witnessed, or watching a miracle happen like a child walk for the first time, or gazing into the eyes of somebody you absolutely adore. So just think about a situation of awe. Imagining the colors, the sounds, the smells, the textures of the experience of awe. And notice your chest, notice your breath. Okay, so what happened? Yeah, who am I? Uh, when I thought about the stressful situation, my breathing became shallow, became quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but my chest sort of sink in. Yeah, yep. yeah. And, and my center breathing moved right up into my chest. Versus- That's right going down deeper. Yeah. I felt like kind of pain at my diaphragm, like, yep. Tense. So every time that you guys worry or stress or have any negative thoughts, that's the physiology that takes place. And is that type of physiology conducive for a good run or a good hike? Uh, No. And is that physiology, a good physiology for your brain to come up with solutions and problem solve? (laughs) Not at all. Okay. And what about the second example? Yeah. I mean, that was long, placid. It mm-hmm. felt nourishing. You know, I, I could feel almost that, that ener- that energy in the air going then into my body. That's right. It felt <laughs> like a sense of expansiveness maybe. Yeah. Is that the going to the happy place? Yeah. It, 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 but that's going into a place. What we did is we recreated the experience of being mindful, right? Yeah. That was, we had to imagine. So you have mirror neurons that remember Mm -hmm. They remember the experience of being out in nature, having this glorious uh, experience full of awe. And of course, when you actually have these experiences full of awe, you print them on your brain. And so you can recall them later in a meditation or in a a situation like we did right now. And we, we literally created neuroplasticity in this experience just now. We went from lizard brain into higher lateral thinking and, um, 
prefrontal cortex brain. The more you do that, you know, you can increase your, um, your gray matter, what have you, you, you actually increase um, neuroplasticity and, and the neurons of using those parts of our brain that we don't use when we go into fight or flight. So you not, not only are you now better able to problem solve because you have more neurons involved, but you're also going to be more calm and be more capable of connecting, communicating, and um, also feeling better when you're exercising. Mm. That was great. Yeah, really simple. Yeah, how do you suggest a runner begin a meditation practice? Um, there's a lot of different, there's so many things out there that people can do. There's, you know, there's the, um, all these apps that are available mm -hmm. for people. Um, there's, you know, calm, there's the uh, 10 minute, can't remember what that's called. Uh, Meditation there's, timer. Yeah, there's exactly, there's insight, the mm -hmm. insight timer, I think also. Um, you can go to YouTube. I've got several medita guided meditations on YouTube um, that are 10 or 12 of them. They're available for people for guided meditations. Um, so that's a really, I think a simple way is just to try different types. You know, there's visual imagery, there's um, chanting, there's uh, mantras that you can do transcendental meditation. There's mindfulness meditation, which is a practice. Uh, you can pretty much Google anything and find it online. And then mm -hmm. if you find that you like it, you can, you know, do go deeper into it. You know, get do up do programs. Of course, you can watch iFit. There's a bunch of it on iFit now. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I think those are really simple ways to, to get started. And if you really like it, you might want to work with a teacher or take a class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of options nowadays. Yeah. Do you think there's a benefit to meditating in a group? Um, I think so. I think that um, everything has its benefits. There's, I, I, I find that um, when meditating with a group, it's that much more profound. Hmm. Um, I think it, it also, you know, depends. I mean, if you're somebody that doesn't like being in groups, that could be not beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. But um, I find, especially with the kind of work that I do with people, um, when people are feeling calm together, their hearts are open, sort of there's something that happens with the energy that um, heightens it and makes it that much better. Hmm. That's awesome. All right. Well, before we let you go, you do have to make us envious for a moment. Um, <laughs> from, from the photos I've seen, you got to travel to the Azores to I film nice. the iFit session. So you got to share a few details with well, us, including in light. I, I think that isn't the Azores where planes used to stop when they couldn't make it all the way across <laughs> the Atlantic? Uh, well, you know that. So I live in New England. Uh -huh. And I did not know that there are more Azorians living in New England than they are in the Azores. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot, a lot of them when, I guess when there was some economic downfall um, back in the fifties, I suppose a lot of them, um, and it's only a four hour plane ride um, right. flew over here to the East coast. And um, yeah, yeah it's interesting because I was actually just, I just got notified that the series just came out. So I went and looked on my app and I was just, I was, you know, watching the first intro um, video. I was like, oh my God, it looks so amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, I just, I miss it so much. It was spectacular. We were so lucky before I came, it was, I guess, raining like crazy, torrential downpour. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. I just said, and I said, I just, it's just, I said, it's going to be fantastic. 
whatever happens, it's going to be fantastic. And it truly was, the sun was out every day. Um, we had a little bit of rain here and there, but other than that, it was amazing. The, it was lush and beautiful. The crew was fantastic. We went to so many different places. Yeah. So um, a big, a big lake, a, like d- deep blue lake was yeah, behind well, you in the picture I saw. It's actually, there's two lakes. There's a green lake. They're right next to each other, a green lake uh, and a blue lake. And the, the, the other oh. one's green because it has more algae. Oh, and they're right next to each other. It's just the blue. And there's a, uh, there's a myth about it that, you know, the, there was a prince and a, a prince and a princess. One had green eyes, one had blue eyes, and they weren't <laughs> allowed to be together. And so, you know, when they died, they, their pools of, of their uh, tears created these lakes. The blue oh, and the green. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We went to this incredibly beautiful tea plantation, uh, this place called Furnas, literally there's furnaces coming out of the earth. It was wow. just powerful nature. It was just an incredibly uh, powerful experience being in nature like that. It was amazing. Uh, and the thing, I mean, the thing about iFit is it translates so much of that. I mean, Ugh. it just, it, you know, I mean, the big screen, it's so, I mean, when I use it on my treadmill, I just, I feel like I am there. I mean, I feel I have been to Croatia thanks to iFit. So, well, absolutely. I, and that's, yeah. that's what I was saying about the mirror neuron. So there's, there's actually a benefit to exercising in nature. Uh, we mm-hmm. call it exercise squared. Um, it's like mindfulness. Nature has unseen elements that help you feel um, at peace and happy. And you don't actually notice that you're as tired um, mm-hmm. or in pain. So you, you do um, enjoy it more and run longer. And um, so the benefit of these iFit series is that you, your mirror neurons are being activated as you're looking at this incredible scenery. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your experience mm-hmm. and, and yourself with this. This was really wonderful. Thank well, you. Thank you. This was a fun conversation. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And you have a great trip. Thank yeah. you. So your road trip. Woo-hoo. Thank yeah. you. And you, you both have fantastic races and hikes ahead. Enjoy every moment. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, well, Molly, do you feel, you know, a little less uh, trepidation about your hike now? Yeah, totally. I, I just feel like I'm just going to take it one moment at a time. What'll be is going to be, I'm going to enjoy the whole process. I, it's kind of like, uh, I put my bags down. Huh. took, took that weight off. I'm, I'm going to, uh, probably save this on my phone and listen to it if I need to <laughs> just to hear her again. And I'm definitely getting her book. Well, that, awesome. This was wonderful. Oh, good. Oh, good. You, you look very delighted. Molly. Yeah. That's very heartwarming. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, um, to put faces to these voices, um, please follow us on Instagram where we are at the mother runner. Maybe I'll have Molly send a photo of her hike and we'll share that on, However far it gets. on our Instagram <laughs> or with her car in the background. Yeah. Uh, um, so again, on Instagram, we are at the mother runner and we'd appreciate the follow. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Mm-hmm.